Hello, happy Monday. Welcome back to Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing, the podcast all about art and design theory for hairdressers. I'm Cody. I'm a hairdresser based in Washington, D.C. This week, we're continuing uh, last week's conversation about client interaction and the status quo. Last week, we sort of laid out what's going on, sort of what we're told to do. Um, This week is all about what we can do to change and evolve as creative professionals. As always, I'm taking requests, suggestions, feedback. My email is cody at pointlinehair.com. You can reach me through the Point and Line to Head Facebook page as well. And for more information on this podcast, my seminars, um, general philosophy, you can head over to pointlinehair-education.com. Um, follow me on Instagram at Cody Barrow. Um, but let's get started with this episode. I'll stop talking about all that. This week is about solutions, ways we can change how we do things day to day. And the reason I felt this was important to talk about um, for two weeks <laughs> is that we all have clients that sit down and say, do whatever, or just make me look good. Um, for some of us, that might be one or two. For some of us, it may be half of our clientele. But wouldn't it be great if every single one of our clients or the majority of our clients trusted us on that level? To get there, it's all about changing the way we interact with our clients and ultimately how we command respect as artists, as creative professionals. So this client interaction portion of this design conversation has two parts. Um, We have the initial conversation and the tools available to us, and then we have how we work. So the client consultation, that initial conversation, um, we talk about needs, requirements, personal taste, and then we'll break down the status quo. So commercial pressures, stale stylistic idioms. You can refer back to the last episode for more information on those. I um, will slightly recap on them, but I don't want to make this episode like 45 minutes. Um, So all of the episodes stay up. Um, So if you ever want to refer back to one or any of them, um, and that's sort of the point of this entire podcast, to put information out there and make it accessible to every single one of us. Because I don't think we, we get anywhere by like keeping information secret from each other. Um, and overall, in these two episodes, this one and last week, the message I'm trying to put out there is no progress is made by standing still or waiting to be told what to do. And the first step to evolving as a creative professional is to take it upon ourselves to figure out who we are and what our work looks like and how we translate those two things into the physical universe. 
So we'll talk first about the initial conversation, the consultation, whatever you call that, but the first conversation you have with the client before your work starts. And then also a little bit about all of the tools that we keep sort of in our back pocket, so to speak. Um, so with the client consultation, we all have talking points and questions, but the ultimate goal is to collect information of some sort. Um, in those questions and talking points, I have mine, you have yours, your neighbor has theirs, Annie Humphreys has hers, Richard Ashforth has his, but the goal is to collect information that's relevant to the way that you work. And there's different companies and salons that set sort of a list. And, you know, I went to a class where this one educator gave us, these are the 20 questions you need to ask your clients. Um, and I mean, there's nothing wrong with that approach. But ultimately, we have to, instead of squishing ourselves into a box that someone else gives us and trying to become someone else, um, we need to figure out which questions are relevant, which talking points are relevant, what kind of information we need to gather to do our work properly. Um, and for me, I'll refer back to sort of the way I work a lot and not, not in a way that's meant as like an end all, um, but sort of how I work and how I developed client interactions based off of that. And my goal is not to sit here and say, do this how I do it. Um, but more to sort of convey, this is how I arrived there based on what I work based on X, Y, and Z. Um, because I really, I, I don't believe in giving people a recipe at all or a formula. Um, I think we really need to learn how to think for ourselves on that front. So the initial conversation, collecting information. Last week, I talked briefly about how clients have eyes that cannot see. And that's the name of this episode and last episode. And what that means is they do not have the same technical training that we do and ultimately, we are the professionals. And a good designer or an architect or hairdresser is able to look at a list of needs and requirements and present a solution. Ultimately, tell the client what they want. And that's not to say push your vision or your beliefs on a client, but to understand what's required in a given scenario and come up with a solution that's going to work properly, right? And I keep saying, right, like, this is Dora the Explorer or something, like, you're going to respond back to me. Um, and you might, that's, like, cool. Um, <laughs> the way that I work generally on my clients um, is based on needs, lifestyle, and that's my point of view. You have yours, um, they may not be that different. Um, I have friends that ask sort of about personal interests in that consultation, previous hairdressers, like experiences. Um, 
but those sets of questions or those talking points are based off of the way that those hairdressers work. The way that I facilitate my conversation with a client is different from you because I might work differently. But it's up to you to design that con conversation based on the information that you need to get out of the conversation. And, and that's in relation to the way that you work. So for me, I talk first about sort of practical things, what the client likes, what the client dislikes, and then sort of what they need out of their hair on a day-to-day. Um, their lifestyle, frequency of salon visits, you know, like what do they do on the weekends? How early do they wake up? Um, practical information. And then a little bit about personal taste. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second, um, because I believe that that's up to us to decide sort of the, the finishes and details and things. Um, but we'll talk about that in a second. And then coming up with a plan, right? And at the end of the day, all hairdressing is just calculation and execution. What needs to happen and how do we get there? It's totally that simple. So aesthetically, what the work looks like, um, we talk about two categories. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. We have mass and surface. And those are the two broad categories that every adjective that is discussed will fit into. So in the client conversation, they'll talk about, you know, I want my hair to be blonde or blue or slim or big or curly or smooth. And we take those adjectives and file them into two categories, mass and surface. So mass being the overall shape, um, how big the shape is, how small it needs to be, what sort of shape it needs to be. Is it round? Is it square? And then surface. What does the outside of that mass look like? What does the presentation of that shape look like? So is it blue, blonde, smooth, frizzy, curly, red? And from there, we can clearly create a plan. How to bring all of those adjectives to life in the, in the finished result. And then you're able to present some sort of action plan to the client. So ultimately, you know, gathering personal details, aesthetic details, and based on the client, my set of questions or talking points will change based on what kind of information I need to pull out in that situation. So we present the client with a plan for today, for maybe next visit, future goals. Um, but at the end of the day, you need to ask a set of questions that enables you to get the information that you need for you to do the work that you do in the way that you do it successfully, if that makes sense. Um, so gather, analyze, plan, execute. You're the professional, which means that you're the expert, and you need to focus on your work. And then we'll get into sort of the status quo and how we change the way that 
we're sort of told to work um, on a certain level. So at the end of the last episode, we we finished with, are you a voice or are you an echo? Are you leading or are you following? And I find that it's easiest to command respect when we are excited about the work that we're doing. And I find also that that's when we do the best work that we can do. Meaning it's executed properly, it works, it functions, and ultimately it's an extension of who we are as artists. I find in a lot of education these days, not not all of it, but in a lot of it, um, we get a lot of information and that's basically just saying, do this just like this. And I find what that does is it drowns out our points of view and our voices. And from there, we end up with commercial pressures and stale stylistic idiots. So commercial pressures being expectations that the clients have for us and that we have for ourselves that may be not the most helpful expectations. And then still stylistic idioms. Um, we sort of become victims of our own success and we end up gravitating back to the same couple formulas and we start developing this aversion to change. So we'll talk about both of these. Commercial pressures, so those expectations. And we end up sort of producing work that we're just expected to produce over and over again and shove ourselves into this box. And I find that we end up really not being thrilled about a lot of the work that we're doing. And... We have to ask, is that what we want to do for the rest of our careers? And just like most of you, I have an Instagram account. Um, look at social media. Pay attention to what's happening in fashion magazines. Wherever you get your sort of, your inspiration from. But it's important to realize that I may not agree with every single thing that's trending. And I may not need to follow every tiny thing that's happening trend-wise. It's all about a balance. Um, what's happening right now? Do I like it? Do I not like it? Um, what realistically are my clients going to request? Um, and that sort of thing. So then we go from there. We look at this set of tools in our back pocket. Which one of those are relevant in those instances? So instead of going, oh, I have these three formulas that have worked time and time again, let me just keep doing them because people come back to me because I'm doing this same fringe this way or whatever it may be. Looking at what's happening, what tools do I have that allow me to create what's happening and what's new and what's exciting? So we'll step out of the hairdressing world for a minute and let's think, you know, if we were to hang a shelf on a wall, right? Just a regular, we went to Target, we bought a shelf. What tools are going to be required to put that shelf on the wall? Is it going to be nails, screws, hammer, screwdriver, drill, um, whatever it may be? 
what's going to get that shelf on the wall the most practically sort of in the way that it needs to be hung up, right? Um, does that shelf need to be permanent? You know, does it need to come off the wall in two days because we're staging a, a room for a photo or whatever it is? So what set of tools in that scenario gets the job done correctly? And that's exactly what we should be doing as hairdressers. And it's on you as a professional to decide which tools are required in each scenario. Then when we see trends develop, we're able to look at them and figure out what does our version look like, how do we create it, and how do we keep true to our principles in this whole giant world of trends and um, social media and whatever else is popular. So when ombre was a big deal, we had to really soul search, I did, and figure out what is my response to this going to look like. And with balayage or rainbow vomit hair or the lob or whatever it is, you have to figure out what your version looks like. And do you even go there? If my every single one of my principles in my soul tells me that balayage is really not a thing that I want to be doing. And now this is an example, because I can already hear like three of you screaming at me and you're <laughs> like through the phone or through the computer. Um, but if say balayage is not a thing that you agree with, do you even go there? And if you go there, what does your version of it look like? Right? Um, I find that I do plenty of hand painting, but my version of it and maybe my hairdressing buddy's version of it are completely different. And the way we go about it is completely different based on our education, based on our personal experiences, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I will bring up as an example, I was talking to a client of mine a few nights ago, and she was talking about how in the 80s, she had colleagues or you know, heard of people that literally retired because they did not like what was going on in architecture at that point. And they felt like they had made their mark on the industry by that point and all of that. Now, not saying that that's what you have to do if you disagree with what's going on, um, but that's the extreme end of the spectrum, right? If you don't agree with something, don't do it. And if you don't want, you know, the world to see that your name is on this, don't do it. And just because Instagram says you'll get X amount of likes for doing it doesn't mean that you have to do it. Um, and that actually brings me into part two, stale stylistic idioms, um, which is, and I'll finally admit this after I've used this term multiple times, um, it's a nice way of saying tacky or outdated, right? Things that are finished, that don't look good anymore. Um, finished isn't done. <laughs> They're over. Um, and do we need to keep them alive just because two or three people keep requesting them? So like the mall bang, for instance. Um, you know, every so often we see one of those, and it's just sort of like why why does that still happen? 
And at the end of the day, it's our fault for letting it continue. And it's terrifying to tell a client, no, I'm not doing that anymore. But seriously ask yourself, what, when clients walk out into the world, right? You finish with the client, they go to the grocery store, they go to the bar, wherever they're going. The world looks at that and your name is attached to it. And do you want the world to see that as a representation of the kind of work that you do? If the answer is yes, awesome. Keep doing it. Um, but think about it like this. You have maybe a favorite clothing store or something along those lines. So we'll talk about clothing because um, I think it's sort of similar in this instance. And trends happen in clothing just like they happen in hair, in the beauty industry. And in clothing stores, you know, the clothes rotate out every few months and the, the things that they carry change pretty quickly. But we end up going back to that store because we like their approach. We like their point of view. We like the way that they think about clothing and trends. And on a really superficial level, we may like sort of the fabrics they use or some sort of design sensibility or whatever it is. But we keep going back because we like their version. And is it surprising to think that that's why your clients come back to you? And if we evolve and change, we're not going to end up in as much trouble as we think we're going to end up in. Because the reason that you keep going back to that clothing store that stopped carrying that t-shirt you loved in the 80s, and the reason that your client comes back to you are exactly the same. They like you, they like the way that you work, and they like your vision. And change doesn't have to be drastic. It can be a slight tweak on this or that every month. And it's up to you to make those decisions. And I can't sit here and, well, actually, I'm standing now. <laughs> it's, like, bizarre. I'm, like, I'm at my computer talking to it every week. Um, and now I'm literally, like, standing. I've moved to my feet and I'm yelling at my computer. Um, I think my neighbors think I'm insane. Um, but so I'm not going to stand here and tell you this is what you should be doing next month right? It's on you um, to decide which trends speak to you and figure out what your clients are requesting, what's going to sell in your area, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I can't and I won't give you a formula. It's important to remind our clients that I'm a different hairdresser than the last person you went to. And I'm going to work differently and asking me to work like someone else or asking me to just carbon copy the picture off of Pinterest that you're showing me doesn't allow me to deliver the best that my abilities are able to deliver. And to stick to the same one or two recipes over and over again does not help us grow. If you put me and you and Tim Hartley 
and Trevor Sorby in a room and gave us the same client requirements, the same client sort of conversation, and we had the same consultation with a client. All of us would have a different solution, and that is perfectly fine. We don't all have to arrive at the exact same conclusion every single time. And hairdressing or any creative expression isn't algebra. A plus B doesn't always equal C. We're all different. We all have different eyes, different hands, different minds. And that is okay. We don't have to listen to someone else just because they have 2 million followers. Be your own person. Do work that makes you excited. And figure out who you are. And never get tired of asking why. And this is what leads us to a culture or a new spirit guided by clear principles and independent points of view, where we're all told it's okay to think differently. I want to thank you for listening to this third episode of season two. For more information, you can visit pointlinehair-education.com or the Point and Line to Head Facebook page. And keep an eye out, actually, this this week. I am hopefully going to be making an announcement about a project I have been working on for next year. And I also want to congratulate a very good friend of mine, Sharon Tranter, who was nominated in the International Hairdresser of the Year category um, in the Contessa Awards. And she's just had like the most phenomenal year ever. Um, At least that's what it looks like to me. And she is a huge mentor of mine um, and a reminder that as I'm like knocking things off of my desk here, (laughs) she, her work is a reminder to me that whatever is happening in your personal life, um, whatever is going on around you, you have to make time to really express yourself, do work you're excited about, and to really truthfully not be concerned about what everyone else is going to think about your work. So huge congratulations to her. And to finish up here, Make sure you're subscribed. Keep an eye out on Mondays for new episodes. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Cody, and this was Point and Line to Head, Elevating Hairdressing.